pause for thought and join in the barking with Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog. Right now, though, joining us in our Hamilton studios, Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs, Dog Behaviourist. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mel. Hey, did you go to uh, field days at all? Do you know what? I didn't. I woke up, um, I was going to go on Thursday morning and I woke up really late and then by the time I thought I'm going to sit in traffic for four and a half hours, I'm probably not even going to get there. <laughs> so. See, so you live in Hamilton and you didn't I even know. go to field days. I know. Terrible, oh, isn't it? That's a shocker. Next year anyway. Next year, yeah. <laughs> so dogs are more like us than we think. Yeah, I, I, I had, I've had lots of conversations with people this week and um, basically the situation is that people are... Um, they're reading lots of stuff on the internet about dogs and wolves and all that kind of stuff and it's just something to recap i've probably talked about it a few times but um i think we need to start thinking that dogs are actually very much like us they're emotional beings and and probably most of the work i do um as a canine behaviorist i'm actually an emotional coach for the person for the owner and the dog if that makes sense sounds a bit sort of out there but i think your your next guest that you're talking about the book um the the doctor mm-hmm. about that resilience it, it kind of applies to the dogs as well um, that emotional balance or imbalance and that's if we think about emotional imbalance that's behavioral issues isn't it well, well it is really isn't it in humans yeah. as well so a person's emotional state actually well it affects our physical behavior i guess it's the yeah. same for dogs yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we, we, we you know, we, we, just assume, we just accept that if we've got problems with our mental um, health, we go to a psychiatrist, but the behaviour is a physical manifestation of that emotional imbalance, isn't it? And it's not a huge jump to think that dogs are the same. Unfortunately, um, most people don't. Most people don't think that dogs have emotions and they have that problem. And and as a result, therefore, we can, we can hurt them. We can use that negative training. We can shock them. We can do all those kind of things, can't we? Because it's just a dog. But actually, it's a living, breathing being. It's a, sen- you know, a sentient being in the same way that we are. Maybe not have a big frontal lobe as we do, so it can't reason in the same way. But it certainly will affect you. you know, it has an emotional state. And that's where those problems start to begin. So, so yeah, they're very similar to us in that sense, definitely. Yes, they, and they really are affected by the people around them, aren't they, and the surroundings? Yeah, I mean, if you think about how, um, how we are, if we walk around, if we walk into a room and there's been an argument, we kind of sense that there's something weird. I don't know if you've ever had that situation. Yep. Um, and, and people around me, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm around, well, they say that good people attract good people so if i'm around good people i'm going to feel in a good mood if i'm around sort of depressed fed up people then i'm going to feel the same way dogs are the same um they pick up i think they pick up on our emotional state definitely because we're their role models at the end of the day aren't we so if we're if we're quite down or if we're really excited then the dogs are really excited just see dogs with kids they go crazy don't they see dogs with adults they tend to be a bit calmer sometimes (laughs) sometimes <laughs> they actually do uh, if you have yeah. a question for darren about your dog then you can get it into us now too by the way 3920 or you can text as well oh, that was the text 0800 844 747 is the phone number so the style of our upbringing affects the way that we behave and is that the same for dogs um i believe so yeah so you just got to look at the way i mean i'm a um a, a trained teacher primary teacher and we did an awful lot in our training about um how the the home life affects the way the child looks at learning and the way the child behaves in the, in the classroom so so if you've got a very hierarchical sort of home life where you know mum or dad are the the, the sort of hierarchy um it's normally the dad isn't it and then the mum and then so on and so on then the child grows up with that kind of idea of that's the way that the world should be and and then those children sometimes struggle to um, to cope with teachers telling them that they have to do something yeah and mm. it becomes a bit of a battle well the same kind of thing for dogs if we if we 
if we bring our dogs up with that hierarchical idea and that's based on the whole um, wolf pack you have to be the leader all this kind of stuff the dog has can't be higher than you all that kind of stuff yeah um, if we if we approach the a dog's upbringing like that then we're going to end up with problems because that dog is just going to be like a teenager it's going to challenge us later and of course when dogs challenge us they challenge us with their teeth and that becomes an issue and that just escalates higher and higher so so dogs aren't really pack animals in that sense the new science is sort of saying that they're more of a family animal in the same way that we do so just goes back to that same thing when you've got good family values good boundaries then your kids grow up with respect um, it's the same for dogs when you've got those good values, there's good boundaries and clear boundaries for a dog, probably a little bit clearer than, than children. Um, then dogs start to respect their position or their place in that family. So this is new science because it used to be always the pack <coughs> thing, didn't it? Yeah, but it's not new science. Um, now it's actually 30 years old. <laughs> so so the pack stuff was um, 30 years old and then denounced about 30 years ago as well by the same person that did it. So, But it's still out there. People are still thinking they have yeah. to do this kind of stuff. And it's very old science. The new science and, and increasingly new science that's going on for the last 30 years look, is, is sort of saying it's more of a family structure. And they're even debating about the, the whole um, premise of the wolf pack now. Is, is it the same? Um, certainly we've got a difference between... The, the feral dogs, the, the wolves and the feral dogs, um, and then the best domestication, because what we, what we do think, when, when we think of wolf packs, we forget that dogs have been domesticated, and that's a huge process. It changes, it changes the body, it changes the brain and the way that the dogs interact. And domestication really just gives that dog a totally different um, concept of behaviour than, than the wild wolves and the wild animals. Yeah? Mm. So we need to start thinking about that. Domestication is about coming and living with us <laughs> okay that's the reason why they did that because they like us and they like the structure that we gave them so let's use the structure that we have to train our dogs not enforce a, a feral structure on them they like us and we yeah. like them uh, yeah. darren rowe is my ba- is my guest <coughs> dog and what and dog behaviorist aren't you you, you can emotional coach <laughs> emotional coach uh pep talker like you can he can talk to the animals if you've got a question for darren <laughs> that's, a, that's, a big step. Now, that's a big step yeah, yeah. No, that's okay that's a big step <laughs> 392 oh he's like dr doolittle 392o is a text or you can call as well 0800 844 747 we have had a t- couple of texts come through darren so i'll get to them now yeah go for it uh, this is from Penny. I have a cavoodle called Rosie, and when people arrive at the house, she jumps up to them and keeps doing it. Even when they sit down, I would appreciate your help. Yeah, so I'm actually going to talk about that. And um, it's really about um, the whole positive-negative reward. Um, so if you think about um, think about dogs, they, they're just looking for... Um, attention i guess is the other thing so the jumping up if, if it was a small baby and i always try and refer things back to small babies like three-year-olds so if, if you come if, if mummy or, or someone came home and the little child's going to come up and going to grab them and and want to get their attention i know you right dogs do exactly the same they just want attention and and the way to sort of stop that is just to ignore it you know it's just like a little kid tugging at you as a teacher i used to have little kids that sort of t- hold on to you and tug you all the time and, and if the more you more attention you gave them the more that behavior started to happen more and more and more yeah so if you just ignore it and then when they do something you want i.e they let go or they sit as a, in, in terms of a dog then you say oh good oh i love that behavior or good dog that sort of thing and then you're encouraging what you want as opposed to what you don't want because if you think about it the the i don't want something is quite a conceptual idea and that's actually really hard for people to understand how how do you picture not doing something 
It's mm. really hard, whereas you can picture doing something that's more tangible. So giving the dog a direction of what to do, i.e. sit, and ignoring the behaviour you don't want will start to change the, the way the dog looks at the type of behaviour that they want to do. Actually, that's really interesting because you're right. When, a, when you arrive at a friend's place and the dog's all over you, you're giving it loads of attention because yeah, you want it to right. stop jumping, especially if it's a Labrador, <laughs> and it's at exactly. that level where it's going to you know, <laughs> yeah. do some and if, damage. And if, and if you, it does, yeah, definitely. And if you think about um, what praise is, what attention is, so um, looking at the dog, touching the dog, talking to the dog, giving it a treat or giving it a toy and playing with it, all those kind of things. There's a few of us as well, but all those kind of things are praise. So you think the dog jumps up and we push it down, we've praised it, or we've given it attention. If we look at it and tell it to get off, we've still given it attention, haven't we? So what sort of, how long would it take though, say, if, you, if you're doing this training <coughs> with your dog, so just ignoring them, uh, like Penny should do when Rosie jumps up, yeah. how long should it take before you get some so, sort of a... So it all depends on the dog as well. And if you think, I always think of behaviour as a balancing scale. You know those old-fashioned scales that you have the weights and the, the you know, the, I don't know what you call them, the lever arch ones? I know what you mean, yep. Yeah, so, so those ones. If you think about the behaviour's quite weighed to jumping up, so every time we've jumped, the dog's jumped up, we've praised it, so it's quite weighted down to the jumping up. We have to then reward the behaviour we want and in the end slowly that will start to tip the scales in the other side and then that will become the behavior of choice so lots of praise when they're doing something we like and it has to be a little bit over the top in some ways to start to push that that scales in the other direction so it depends on the dog depends on how many years you taught the dog to jump up because you have taught the dog to jump up because you praised it yeah, it's all our fault, so, isn't yeah. it? Oh, it's definitely. <laughs> Darren Rowe is with me in our Hamilton studio. If you have a question for our dog behaviourist from Mindfulness for Dogs, 0800 844 is the number. 3920 is a text right here on the Sunday Cafe on Magic Talk. It's the Sunday Cafe on Magic Talk. Another question for you, Darren, from Nikki. How do you begin to train a puppy or a dog to have a soft bite? or a soft nip when <clears throat> playing. Right, so first thing to remember is that all dogs bite, right? All puppies bite. That's how they explore the world. Um, again, a lot of children bite when they're younger. I was definitely a biter. Oh, I had bruises um, from my kids. Yeah, and if you think about what we would do with kids, we wouldn't slap them over the head, would we, when they bite us? Because that's just not right. We would but not. We, but quite often we do that with dogs, right? Um, so they're just exploring their world. It's a very natural thing. If you were to leave your puppy in with all the other puppies, that would probably go within a couple of weeks because they would end up sort of telling each other off and it would be too hard and then they'd start to get those ground rules of what, what they can do and what they can't do. So we rip the puppies away from the mums at an obscenely young age of eight weeks. Therefore, they don't have that opportunity to do that. Um, so we have to be the role models. So there is a little bit of letting them bite you right and it sounds a weird one and then redirecting into toys and then withdrawing yourself when they get too hard so rather than thinking about how do you stop a dog from biting think about how you teach a dog not to bite hard that's a better way of doing it and by doing that they have to have other things that they can bite so basically hands are off limits but they have to learn that hands are off limits so when they bite you you withdraw you don't put them in timeout dog's not going to associate anything with a timeout idea but you just withdraw your attention from the dog and just for a couple of seconds, and then you give your attention back. If it gets too bad, then the toy comes in and you redirect into something more appropriate. So you're saying, if you want to bite me, you bite the toy. But you have to also think about that there is, it's going to be a situation where the dog's teething and it doesn't matter what you give, you know, what you do, they're going to try and bite everything because they're just teething and the, the teeth are sore and it's exactly the same as young babies. So we give young babies hard things to chew. We need to do the same for our dogs. Mm -hmm. And every time they bite us, we need to throw that at them so that they're, they're redirecting into that. Redirecting the, the yeah. bite. How long 
have you been a dog behaviourist for, Darren? Me? Um, I've been training dogs um, for about, I reckon, about 18, 19 years. And, of course, we've had dogs longer than that, so I've been uh, training my own dogs for a lot longer than that as well. So so a lot of the things that we've done, we, we've made mistakes over the years and we've done the wrong things. And, and we've kind of tailored down what we do now. Um, and our, our last, um, or our recent puppy, Star and Twinkle, um, they're pretty amazing dogs and, and we've got it right here but we've made mistakes the same as everyone else just about whether you understand you've made a mistake or not yeah so what what <coughs> were you doing say 18 years ago uh that was pretty normal which has changed now oh gosh um i was always a force-free dog trainer so i always sort of bucked the trend a little bit if you think 18 years ago um we were much closer to this whole, whole idea of the wolf pack thing yeah and that's um, when the blues won last won a championship too remember i wouldn't want to comment on that <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I've always been a bit of a, um, a trend bucker, really, and, and where everyone was saying you have to be jerking your dog and, and pulling the dog, pulling the lead up to get them into a sit. I was always talking about well, letting the dog make the choices and make the dog uh, let the dog make the right um, the right behaviour and then promote it. So, so uh, and I was into clicker training when clicker training wasn't really sort of very big. I'm um, certainly probably not in New Zealand. This was in the UK, so we're a little bit a little bit ahead of the times in terms of behaviour there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my training hasn't really changed. It's just really um, I've crystallised and, and really sort of got everything together. And and now with the mindfulness approach as well, it's really made it's made more sense of that because neuroscience has caught up with the whole sort of psychology side of things. Um, so, yeah, I haven't really changed a great deal, but just probably brought it to the front a lot more. I see. Hey, we've got a caller for you on the line. Uh, Liz, good morning to you. Oh, hang on, if I actually push you there, then you're there. Liz, good morning. Hi, how are you? Morning, morning Liz, how are you? Hi. Hi, good, thank you. Hey, look, we've got an older dog. Um, yep. I think she's probably about 11. Not exactly yep. sure if her, she was a bit of a weak moment of her age, but she's about 11. Now, she has just taken to... Um, Sleeping on the on the couches, and we've got like a creamy white couch, and she's quite dark-haired. Um, but that's only just been like a very, very recent thing. So she knows when she's doing it, because when we come downstairs, she kind of like sleeks off the couch and slides across the floor to her own bed. <laughs> Um, and you know, obviously, we tell her off, and she's she's quite a, she's quite a baby. Although she does look at, look at, how yeah. do we train her or stop her from doing that without putting chairs on the couch every night? <laughs> oh gosh, that brings back memories to one of our dogs. We had couches everywhere, yeah. chairs everywhere on the couch. But she's not always done it though. I mean, and she knows, and things she definitely knows. Now you don't have a cat by any chance, do you? No, no. Don't, okay, she's the only so she hasn't. We've got. So she hasn't copied uh, another animal. That's the first thing to think no. about. Um, it, mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because 11, um, you would have thought by now that behaviour would be pretty ingrained. Um, what I would probably do, rather than thinking about, and again, rather than thinking about um, training her not to do something, I'd think about, well, what do I actually want her to do more? So she's obviously knows she should be on her bed or, or she's she's ashamed <laughs> of being on mm. the couch when she comes in. Um, I wouldn't tell her off for being on the couch because, again, you're just adding more value to that couch. Um, and what I would probably do then is I would go back and have a bed and I would be doing lots of treat work on the bed. I would be teaching her the down and the settle command on the bed. Um, I right. wouldn't be using, I wouldn't be naming it necessarily because as soon as we name All a behaviour, right. the dogs don't always choose it themselves. They sometimes only do it when we tell them to. That's, that's my experience anyway. Um, so I'd just All be right. making her bed the best thing in the world, playing with her treats, feed her on her bed and just, just up the value of that bed and, that sh- and then down 
upgrade the value of the um, the couch, i.e. again, is a bit of those, those scales idea. And that should start sure. to encourage her okay. to be on the bed. Yeah. And every time she goes yeah. on the bed by herself, what a good girl, you're such a good girl, you know, really, really up yeah. that bed. Um, sure. But, but don't say anything when <laughs> uh, she's in the couch. We're doing the opposite, really. We're telling her off every time she does it. Yeah. And we've got bifold doors, so she knows to go out. She can open them um, by herself because she goes to the toilet every night. Yeah. Obviously, she can't shut them, but um, <laughs> yeah, they never do that, downstairs. can they? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, you know, you start raining, and the first thing you think is, "My gosh, go downstairs and make sure the bifold is closed." <laughs> but yeah, what so kind of dog is she? What well, kind of dog I don't she? know. She was a weak moment um, for my son, obviously, that he's grown up and left home in university. Yeah. I think she apparently she came from a farm. I think okay. she's got. Um, I don't know. I don't know what she is. Oh, gosh, what's it called? One of those farm dogs. Probably a, hun- she's, she's, yeah, probably a hunter away. Hunter away, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure she's got hunter away in her and something else. So yeah. Super clever dog, then. Super clever dog. She's very clever. Yeah, yeah she definitely knows. She understands everything. But, yeah. <laughs> and also, All also right, if we'll you make mem- her be a bit more of a treat. <laughs> yeah, but also remember she's getting on a bit now. So 11, yes. they start to... that. I'm not saying she's going, she's got dementia or anything like that, but they, they start to regress a little bit sometimes, so she might be going back right. to the behaviour she used to do as a youngster, thinking it's OK, maybe, just a thought. Right, yeah. Now, we had her, we've got her since she was um, oh, far too young anyway, but, okay. um, yeah, yeah, no, she's only ever really had us, but she's just probably a bit spoilt too, I would say, yeah. Your couch is obviously too comfortable, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I oh, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for your callers. And that's the thing, isn't it? Um, these dogs getting back on the couches. Um, yeah. That's, that's... Oh, isn't it funny? You, you can take hours and days to train a behaviour out and it only has to happen once again and then it's back there. Yeah, and then they're there. And isn't that the same as people? You, you, is it 30-odd wow. days? I think um, Nats was talking about, was it 30-odd days a couple of weeks ago? 30 days you need yeah. to train a behaviour out. And, and quite often we have a dog trainer over and we do all the training and then we stop the training and then the people don't continue it and then the behaviour drops back and they go, oh, that was a terrible dog trainer. It's not, it's just that we need to keep it going to keep the behaviour new. Oh, that, that ridiculous <coughs> consistency, eh? I mean, mm. it counts for so just, much. Just, just like people, eh? Just like people. Just like people. Got a few texts <laughs> in, actually. Uh, this is from Nikki. Good morning, Mel and Darren. Read the family approach rather than hierarchy. Can I feed my dog at the same time we eat or before us if we're having a late dinner? Yeah, definitely. Um, we feed our dogs. Like I say, I, I don't eat before my dogs, and, and my dogs don't try and kill me. Um, and, and I'm quite happy to have my dogs eat in the same room as me, and they don't try and eat me beforehand. Yeah. Um, I think it's a bit of, I personally think that's a bit rubbish. <laughs> Right, so you, so you can eat, eat at the same yeah, time, nothing's going to... Yeah, I, I mean, if you, and, and the other thing is, like, you wouldn't, again, put it back to your kids. If you had your family there and you had your small kids, you wouldn't then go and give the plate to the young, to the eldest first, let them finish, and then give it to the youngest, would you? You wouldn't do that. And you wouldn't put your hands in the food and mess around with it before you give it to the kids. They'd get really fed up with it. Oh, pretty quickly, I'd say, too. Yeah, and then, and then, and then what happens is they don't want to eat. Or they, they start to mess you around and start to misbehave, and that's what you get. We try and steal somebody else's even. <laughs> yeah, they're good just, at that too. Just, just think of it as a little family. Yeah, certainly don't need to eat before them. Another text from Robert from Gore. How's Gore this morning, Robert? Uh, we have a very energetic Neapolitan Mastiff. He was with a two-year-old <coughs> child during the week under close supervision. He sniffed the child and was very gentle giant. His personality was great with the toddler. Can dogs understand the need for good behaviour around little people? 
Um, I believe they can, but you have to think about how the dogs see um, their little co- little toddlers. Now they see them as as little puppies, right? And that's where the problem can happen because not all dogs are equal. This dog sounds like he's got quite an emotional balance, so he's probably been socialised really well as a youngster. If they haven't been, then they may well not understand their social cues. And let's face it, babies don't do that kind of thing. Um, so they may want to jump on them, jump on them, and play with them like puppies, and obviously that's not going to work very well. The other thing is if you've got a very high prey drive dog, and that can sometimes happen, then um, babies squeaking can sound like prey, and then we've we've seen issues in Hamilton about that sort of thing. What would be a prey? <coughs> what, what what sort of dog would that be? Oh, it could be any dog. Um, it's not. Um, you've got to remember all dogs come from four types of dogs. So there's the, the hunters, guarders, the baiters, and the herders. So they're all been bred to do work of some description the hunters particularly and the guarders they may well have a higher prey drive <coughs> but the baiters are the same so so they've all got this high prey drive or could potentially have a high prey drive and if that's there then we need to guard ourselves against that, that management side of it me personally i don't have dogs unattended around children under five that's that's my rule and then after that they're on a lead until the kids are old enough to be able to deal with the dogs Mm, fair enough too. Uh, it's not. It's not worth taking a risk, is it? Because at the end of the day, your kid could get really hurt, but your dog always gets put down. Well, that's true. Yeah. And you you don't want either of those things to no, be happening. Keep no. away. It's not a good thing. If you've got a question for Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs, you can text it in now, or better yet, call oh eight hundred eight double four seven four seven. A few more minutes before the news. Three nine two O is a text. Now people can get scared by things that they fear or <coughs> they can't control, and it's the same for dogs, isn't it? It's exactly the same. Yeah, and I think this is the biggest um, problem that I have, or the biggest problems I see. Um, we have reactive and aggressive dogs, and and for, for years it's all about when a dog's aggressive, it's that dog thing is trying to dominate me it's all that kind of stuff actually they're, they're more likely scared of the situation they're trying to deal with it okay so if you think about your um yeah this is where your prey drive comes in basically so um classic example someone walks past the the gate or walks past your fence line and the dog goes running out barking like crazy right it's scared of whatever that person is and it's trying to get rid of them if it can get rid of the get rid of the threat then it's going to be able to calm itself down again and not get scared and of course they obviously walk past so it obviously works but the dog's gone into flight and fight and therefore its brain is shutting down it's always higher logical brain shutting down so so they're scared so if we shout at them or if we get um i think sort of i've seen people with plastic bottles with cans in and we start rattling them and those kind of things and throwing keys on the floor we're actually just adding more fear, aren't we? We're, we're just scaring the dog even more. So it's never going to work. We have to show them a calm sort of way of doing that. So that's just going out there, redirecting again into something more appropriate, maybe a game, a toy, that sort of thing. Or if they will take a treat, and they don't always take a treat when they're that sort of crazy, um, just just redirecting them out of that environment, basically taking them away from the environment causing them a problem. We've got to be a bit careful with that. Now, when they go too far up, if we hold the collar and we grab the collar and they're really crazy and they might turn around and bite us. Mm. So, so essentially really it all just it all boils down to jazz hands. Like look over here and then do yeah, something else yeah. over here. Yeah, and it's all about that positive approach. So making sure that when you're redirecting, you're not hurting, you're not scaring because you're just making the situation worse. And you're not excited, so not screaming and shouting. The more you shout and scream, the more you're barking with the dog. Which we tend to do. We've got time to take uh, a quick question. One more quick call before we head to the news. Sonia, morning to you. Morning, Sonia. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm great. (laughs) Yeah, um, I have a new puppy and it's an English Bull Terrier. She's absolutely stunning, everything, you know, beautiful dog in every way. But recall... 
She's a stubborn right. little tart when it comes to that. Like, she's fine <laughs> most of the time that we go out and somewhere. And she'll just sit her ass down. I'm sorry about it. She's just oh, so funny. funny. And she'll look back at me with her little half-tipped ears. And I'm um, yeah. like, you know, this how, is interesting. How, how old is she? Um, she is, she's three and a half months now. We got her at six okay. weeks because oh. her mum had trouble. So we had to get her yeah. early. Wow. Um, so she's missed out on some of that. Puppy, you know, I didn't want to get her so early, but her mum killed two of the others. So um, we didn't want to risk it, and nor did the owner. So she's been brilliant in every way. She's really a brilliant little pup, except for her record. Yeah, they're they're very independent dogs, these guys. Um, So it's really about, well, what have you got for her? For her to want to come back, I guess is what she's thinking. She's looking at you and well, actually, there's probably more interesting stuff over here. So it's really building on that relationship. If you think about recall and lead walking, they're all the same thing. Why does you? Why would your dog want to stay with you? Is the question you should be asking yourself. What have you got for your dog? What are you giving your dog? So building that relationship through toy play. Now they're quite. They've got quite a high. Well, potentially got quite a high prey drive. So you could be doing tuggy play. Remember, if you're doing tuggy play, you're the prey, not the predator. So you play the dog plays, and then when you stop the play, you effectively die. So you just relax and then the dog lets go of the toy and then you re-engage again. So so building that um, positivity around you will start to give her the reason to come back to you. That makes sense. Yeah. Good stuff. Hope that helps, Sonia. Hey, thank you so much, Darren. Always goes quickly cool. when you're uh, does, with us. It? It certainly yeah, does. Have you, got your dog, have you got your dogs with you in the studio at the moment? No, not today, but I'll, I'll try and come up and see you um, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah, we would welcome you and your pooches into the studio, Darren Rowe. Thank you so much. <laughs> Mindfulness Cheers, for Dogs is where you go to get all the intel. You've been listening to Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog, giving our canine friends a voice throughout the world. To find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.mindfulnessfordogs.com.